Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is February 6th, 2017. This is the ninth episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. So if you may be able to tell, I'm all stuffed up. I was sick this weekend, couldn't get a recording in. Still not perfect, but you know, figured there's enough to talk about here and wanted to hear from you guys. So getting this recording out here and I'm, I'm ready. Let's, let's see what you have to say. But if you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen at least every weekend, but also during certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings of when big game news breaks. At first, I open the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. And after a small commercial break, we set up callers to join the show to either discuss the show's main topic or bring up any gaming question of your choosing. Once that's run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment. We'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. Now, if that sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. Super Bowl 51 was last night, and it's the biggest television night of the year in North America. No question. Now, say what you will about American football, hand egg, whatever you want to call it. But last night's game turned out to be historic for the sport. But... It's not really, you know, totally video game related. I mean, you could say, yeah, Madden is American football's representation in games and maybe Mutant League football's trying to make a comeback, what, on Kickstarter or something like that. But games, as they become a bigger part of media, we're starting to see them more and more in the commercials. And as it's the biggest night of television with a huge audience, I think the numbers just came in. It was, you know, around 114-ish million. It was a slight dip from last year's number, but it's a lot of people. A lot of eyes on the television, and when games become part of those commercials, we should pay attention. And I wanted to kind of look over the games that were covered uh, in the ads during the Super Bowl and kind of reflect on them and kind of see what the big takeaways uh, were. And this is obviously the games that are featured during the game itself. Uh, you saw commercials like the recently announced Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind in the pregame, which I thought was interesting to see that there. But when people talk about Super Bowl commercials, I mean, this is, you know, from the kickoff to the end of the game. And for a first overtime game and the Geez, the 25-point deficit that was, you know, 31 answer points by the, the Patriots over the Falcons. It was a big one. It was a notable year. So let's talk about the gaming commercials from Super Bowl 51. So it starts with the Nintendo Switch. I mean, Nintendo is no real stranger in a way to the Super Bowl. I mean, I guess first in an official Nintendo capacity. But last year you had the Pokemon 20th anniversary. And man, that was surreal last year. But seeing Nintendo Switch on the Super Bowl stage this year... I know that there was the reveal of the commercial a few days before. It seems like many companies do that nowadays where let's show our commercial a few days in advance and let's get the buzz going. But to really see it in the context of all of the other commercials, I think it just made it more real in a way. Uh, The commercial took place during the fourth quarter. And you had some people making the case today on the day after that this commercial switched the course of the game itself. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons had an estimated 99.9% chance of winning before this commercial aired for Nintendo Switch. It's like 940 left in the game, and it was a 
margin of was it 16 it was it was just ridiculous for a football game uh but yeah things really started to change with the matt ryan fumble you know deep in atlanta territory but let's talk about the content of the commercial itself uh you had a 20 something waking up to play a little bit of legend of zelda breath of the wild on this portable device nintendo switch even as he prepares breakfast he's he's still playing it when before you know it he's plugged this device into the tv to continue his progress where he's left off this really was the perfect messaging for switch i think it was simplified it's concise it's coming march 3rd and you're seeing gameplay of the legend of zelda breath of the wild which you know got name dropped it was almost like it was a commercial for Breath of the Wild, but wrapped up in the idea that this device is Nintendo Switch uh, coming March 3rd. And it seemed to get a lot of positive reaction, a lot of positive buzz. Interesting to note that this features the song Believer, which is a new song by Imagine Dragons. And you can only imagine that that kind of partnership was really only made possible by the cross-performance with Koji Kondo at the Game Awards 2014. So going from something totally console-based to something mobile-based, you had Mobile Strike. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger walking through a war zone that he's controlling from his phone as he's spouting his famous one-liners of I'm back and get to the chopper and hasta la vista, baby. And the the get to the chopper one kind of hits on a personal level, I guess, for, for old Show Me Your News podcast fans. But the only gameplay that was shown was a brief shot on the ending splash screen. And yeah, I guess it makes it aware that it is a mobile game by saying you download free from the app store. And you know, just that, that little bit at the end, just you know, huge production values, just like explosions and just a lot of crazy war nonsense. This is the second consecutive year that Mobile Strike has had a Super Bowl ad. And the game comes from Machine Zone, which, yep, wouldn't you know it, it's the same company that made Game of War with that Kate Upton Super Bowl commercial from two years ago. So this really seems to be their big strategy is these celebrity-infused high production values that really don't tell you it's a game until it's just this ending little bit. Oh, it's it's, it's a mobile game. Oh, oh, okay. I think maybe the surprise of the night was a commercial that showed King Arthur, George Washington... Empress Wu, leading troops into a battle where centuries come together. The star Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who we know from The Walking Dead, uh, Aaron Eckhart, Fan Bingbing, who is apparently a really big celebrity in China, I guess. You know, literally zero gameplay, just, you know, a big war clash on the battlefield across centuries and a title splash at the end. Ebony, The King's Return. And if you were watching this, uh, you know, it seems, okay, like, is this like a setup for a movie? What is this? And then you see the title Ebony, like that just should set off alarm bells in your head if you've been paying attention to games over the last several years, because Ebony is the game that you may remember from advertisements that featured scantily clad women saying, come play, my lord a multiplayer online game that was kind of building up your medieval army and taking on others. You know, say what you will about the advertisements. They're deplorable, those those old browser ad-based ones. But they got 27 million players, apparently, by the end of 2011. 
So now this is apparently supposed to be the game's return, just, you know, kind of rebranded. Hopefully, I guess, you know, judging by the advertisements, maybe a little bit more mature advertisements, but this is from Top Games Inc., whereas Top Games USA was Ebony, the original game. The reintroduction of the game from 2009. Uh, gosh, really took me by surprise. I was even exclaiming at my Super Bowl party, like, Ebony? Like, this, this is Ebony. Like, where are the big-chested women <laughs> who made the gaming industry look so bad in 2009? But, okay, if they're trying to become a thing again, maybe they want to get that player base back. And again, it's it's mobile games that are just using these big advertising marketing budgets to try to further the commotion and discussion about their game. Just very unusual that that name, of all things, of all names to come back last night... Did not expect Ebony at all. And then you also had World of Tanks. Uh, this is the also very popular game, but it's on console, PC, and mobile. Uh, the free-to-play game about tanks, I guess. I, I know a couple people who play it. It's, it's really not my kind of game. They had two 15-second ads. One was called Teensy House Buyers, and one was called Real Awful Moms. And for very short ads, the whole idea is that these are parodies of popular reality TV shows of House Hunters and The Real Housewives. And so, oh, the, we, we're back to the show and oh, the, the nonsense is going on in this reality show. And then a tank comes out of nowhere and just makes things crazy. And they even say tanks rule. Again, no gameplay, not even on a splash screen. Uh, really just pitching the whole idea that aren't tanks cool? And I think if you aren't bought by that whole pitch, then the game isn't for you. And you know whether or not that's successful marketing, I guess that's dependent on their, their player base as someone personally. I'm not sold on a game by just saying, tanks, right? That's, that's really not for me. It's odd that reality TV was the target of all things. You could have had, you know, big war sort of thing, and that would be a little more... On brand, I suppose, because uh, you compare it to the other mobile games, especially that were going on. I mean, big, you know, climax on a battlefield with Ebony and then a mobile strike. Things are blowing up everywhere and it's reality TV, but with tanks and like the messaging seemed off. So, I mean, I guess there's only so much you can do in a short time, but it still felt a little off. So the big takeaways I think this was a big win for Nintendo's marketing, especially. You look at the Twitter reaction, I, it seems like there were a lot of people that were saying, oh, what is this Switch? It seems really interesting. It's cool that they're bringing Zelda back, which, you know, Zelda never really went away, but that's the big exposure that this gets you. And yeah, you get the initial, uh, you know, viewership with the Super Bowl. But when you think about that, this commercial is going to be certainly aired plenty of times after the fact, as all Super Bowl ads really, they, they keep playing it, but especially with this last month until Nintendo Switch launches on March 3rd in the United States, it's going to be critical to keep having this commercial on TV. And it's a positive thing that it's a good commercial, at least. So I guess we'll be glad to see it, but it's a big win for Nintendo's marketing. That was so missing from the Wii U days. The messaging of what Switch is is clear, and it seems to have people enthused. It's also big for the notion that pouring money into the marketing budget of your mobile game is seeming to be a key strategy. Not necessarily spending money on the development time or the quality of the game. 
It could be the greatest game, but if it doesn't have marketing, it's not going to make a splash in the mobile space. Or that is, if it's not tied to a notable IP like these newer Nintendo games are with, you know, Pokemon Go, Fire Emblem Heroes, it won't make that big of a splash. I mean, Super Mario Run, even though many people didn't buy into it, like the, the big exposure was the IP. But if you're just starting new, you have to really go in on the marketing. Whether or not that's a good thing for the mobile space, that's up for determination. But the marketing budget is key. If you want any sort of notable awareness. I mean, I was never going to know that another Ebony game was out there, but sure enough, they they got what they wanted. Now, granted, I'm going to stay away, but that's what the marketing is for. Ultimately, though, I think, especially when it comes to gaming as a whole, I think the industry needs to be more proud of the product it's marketing. And I think this is where Nintendo especially succeeded and where the mobile games really hid behind deceptively cinematic visuals. I, I mean, yeah, you had all of the big explosions and the epic battle scenes and all that. But what was the game? You know, are you proud of the game you're selling or are you just trying to trick people into downloading your game and maybe just pouring money into your deceptive monetization practices? At least with Nintendo's advertisement that played on the Super Bowl on the big stage, at least they're proud of the product that they're selling. They're showing the gameplay, they're showing the use in everyday life. You can tell that that's, that's an accomplishment of an advertisement. That's much better than what Wii U was. And I think that's more what game advertisements should be like. I mean, you're looking at all of the movie trailers that were during the Super Bowl last night. They're showing the product and like it's actual content. It's not saying, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but we're going to do CG of all the action that isn't representative of what goes on in the movie. No, they, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 sells the humor and the characters. Like, that's probably what games should go towards. And, you know, I think when we start to see a game trailer on the Super Bowl stage, like, that will be, that will be a big step. But for now, we have mobile games and then Nintendo a step above. Anyway, that's what I think. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think about what I have to say? I'd love to hear your thoughts, but you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. And don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say too. That's all when we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch here on the first show recorded in February. The last one was interesting. It was still January in Pacific time. It creeped over into uh, February in Eastern time zone. But back here at home, back here in the normal recording studio. So ready to take your call. So let's see what you have to say. Joining us from New Jersey, Varshal. Welcome to the Power Switch. Thanks for having me. No problem. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? So there are a couple of things I, I've been thinking about lately. One of them being the new Fire Emblems game, like you mentioned. Mm, yeah, and, Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh yeah, big time. And the other one was uh, Conan Exiles, this new game that came out uh, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one you want to talk about first. I mean, we can talk about both. Let's let's start with Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, you know, sure. we haven't had a show since that released on February second. Now, right. it's not a game I have downloaded yet. Uh, I mm-hmm. when it comes to Fire Emblem, I do not have. I guess the legacy with the series uh, that, you know, all of these characters don't have much 
resonance with me. I'm, I'm still a 3DS noob, and even then, I was more interested in the story of Awakening uh, as opposed to the gameplay. But I'm glad right. to see people are enjoying it. Uh, what's what's your take on the game? Well, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm, I've played a couple of the older ones and some of the newer ones as well, except for Fate. But what surprised me is that normally I am completely not interested in mobile games. I've Whenever I've tried one, I usually ditch it within a couple of days. I lose interest pretty quickly. There are some that I pick up once in a while that are still on my phone, but even then it's pretty rare. But uh, something pretty interesting happened with this one. I'm uh, actually really invested in playing this game. I've been playing it nonstop since it came out. Now, when you say invested, uh, are you saying it's more invested of your time or does the investing of money also come into play? <laughs> Thankfully, I have not spent a dime on it yet. Good, good. But it's it's a game that I can conceivably see myself actually maybe putting a couple of dollars in once in a while when I really want to. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with a couple dollars here and there. I mean, I can attest to that with Pokemon Go. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, especially for those gotcha games where their goal is to derive that money out of you. Uh, right. You know, I think that's it's almost commendable to say that you're you're enjoying it uh, without the big financial investment yet. Yeah, I mean, it really gives you the opportunity, several opportunities, at least at this early point, where they give you a lot of in-game currency. They give you a lot of opportunities to gain in-game currency, and it's very easy to attain it and burn through it as well. It's very easy to burn through the in-game currency, but like. It's it's fulfilling. Like it's the collection aspect. Sometimes in some games can be a little off putting, but uh, I don't know. It's it's got me hooked. Good. I, what are some of your your party members? I guess you're rolling with right now. Uh oh boy. I wish I had better party members. I mean, I, they're not too bad. But my my current A team is uh, Kagero, which is a five star ranged ninja. She does like the most damage. She's the DPS of my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a Baruka, which is a four-star. Uh, she has her moment. Like, uh, there's this running trope with her that she kind of runs bad luck when you have her on her team. But she's actually been serving me pretty well. Uh, I have Tiki, which is a uh, dragon lady. I don't really know her lore too much. I think she's a character that's kind of been in many, if not all, of the Fire Emblem games. So yeah, she's a she's a notable character for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I have uh, Lissa, which is one of the characters from the previous Fire Emblem game. Yeah, that was Awakening. Awakening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Nice. Besides that, I have a whole bunch of uh, like three stars and two stars, but it's got me hooked and interested on getting those better characters. Good stuff. Good stuff. Dark Ryan, our podcast chat over on Discord, saying Tiki's been in three games and Anna has been one mm-hmm. in all of them. So thank you for the fact check there. I appreciate that. So were you a player that, I guess, in these gotcha games, uh, you know, there seems to be the whole idea that when you start the game, you just re-roll, re-roll, re-roll. And like, you don't stop until you are set with a party that you're happy with. I mean, did, was that something you went by or just you know start and then kind of learn the game? As of right now, I have a team that I really enjoy. It. One of them is at level 30. I've been leveling them up as much as I can. But I haven't really been completely compelled to re-roll, re-roll, as you say. Like, I mean, I, I want to. I definitely want more characters, more variety. But I'm pretty okay with what I have right now. Like, I enjoy leveling them up and, and going through the motions and attaining new currency and just going through all the quests and getting the achievements and whatever you need in the game. Very good. That's nice. I think, you know, 
playing that way, it seems like you'd be playing more with characters that you wouldn't normally otherwise play as. And so I think there's definitely some value in that. That's really cool. Right. I'm curious to eventually try it, but I I wonder if it's just, you know, we're, we're soon going to be uh, upon us with March and just this glut of games. I know, uh, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be a big one for our oh, community. Yeah. Like, that's going to be really exciting. Persona 5 in April, like that'll be huge. And of course, Switch. So we're, we're upon these big games uh, in the next couple months. But, you know, I guess Absolutely. to find something to play in February, maybe that's Fire Emblem Heroes for me. But I'm really glad that's working out for you. Yeah, it's been, honestly, it's been a really huge surprise. I mean, there's every chance that I'm gonna, it's going to slow down my, you know, investment. You know, it might be like an hour or two a day or even less uh, that I put into the game. But as of right now, I'm thoroughly enjoying it and... I'm hoping it sticks that way, especially since apparently they're going to be just pumping out content after content as much as they can uh, for this game. So I'm hoping that sticks true. And that's good. That's kind of what you need for the longevity. I mean, you see when Pokemon Go gets those you know little content spikes. I mean, that really helps uh, oh, your yeah. players get back to the game. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, just Nintendo on mobile, it's going to be a continued fascination, I think, just to see, you know, do they adapt to current industry trends with mobile games or do they try to break their own mold uh, you know i can see right. where there are going to be learning experiences like with how they message the monetization for super mario run i think right. that's something they could certainly learn from but mm-hmm. you know these gotcha games like there's a formula there and you know trying to stick to that but really keeping the sense of what Fire Emblem is. I think that's a success to them but it's really only limited by the audience reach of Fire Emblem and I don't think you're going to get too many people coming into it who don't know what Fire Emblem is. And I wonder what, you know, the statistics will be on that. I think that'll be telling in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Now, Conan Exile. Uh, or Conan yes. Exiles. Uh, I can't say I've heard too much about this. I've heard the title floated around a couple times. Uh, but I'm curious, what's your take on it? Well, it's a new MMORPG that came out in early I forget how long ago, but it was, it was fairly recent. Um, and there's been a couple of recent stories that I thought that that caught my eye. Uh, one of them was that uh, the DRM for the game got shut down for whatever reason. It was accidentally removed, hmm. and in that so it was it wasn't very long, but in that time frame, pirates were able to go in and actually like start chipping at it and going at the game. And I found that pretty interesting. It was uh, the Dunovo. Oh uh, yeah, Samper. Yeah, yeah, they've had a, a bad string lately. I mean, what that oh, yeah. they also had it on uh, Resident Evil Seven, and then yep. that got you know cracked very quickly. And now they're having something where they got hacked, and like their emails may have leaked with possible communications to Capcom. It, it hasn't been a very good week or two for Denuvo. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate because a lot of people have actually been really enjoying this game, and I mean, it's not really too far from what you see nowadays from early access MMORPGs. But I think what intrigues people about this game in particular is the fact that it is a, a created world. The lore is out there and it exists. And it's a rich world. I mean, Conan's been around for a long time, a very long time. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that in a, another game form that gets people interacting with one another is interesting. Another aspect, another story that I found actually... Uh, <laughs> The game developers want to integrate a new game mechanic into the game. Normally, when you uh, kill an enemy, you're able to take their head and put it on a pike, and like you know, as an intimidation for your base or whatever. They are thinking about adding castration 
to the game. <laughs> what now? The interesting thing is with this game is they've added uh, pretty in-depth character customization. Um, they had that in, with their last Conan game. I forget what it was called. I think it was Age of Conan. That sounds um, right. Yeah, and they had it for the female character model. Well, now they have a slider for the male character model, and I'm sure you can figure out what for specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's only it's only fair, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Especially with the the world that they're playing with, it absolutely makes sense because it's it's a gritty world. It is a messed up lore, the world of Conan. I found it intriguing that they would take it that far, and I'm pretty stoked to see what happens to come from that. I think it will be telling to see the audience that is backing it, and you know, if you are going to get people who are immature about it, uh, <laughs> you know, that'll be certainly telling. Uh, I think it's good right. that you know games are handling that kind of subject matter, just you know, kind of being more matter of fact about it. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, more uh, just a greater balance between the two sexes. That, that's always a positive thing. But yeah, I, I think it is really dependent on the world and you're right that does make sense when something could be more visual like that <laughs> yeah. um that's that's certainly a uh that's an interesting feature i are they gonna put those on pikes then is that the idea i, I can't say i've read oh man i have no idea it's it depends on the person's imagination i suppose i suppose that's true <laughs> i did see that article on kotaku recently uh yeah mm-hmm. just today and I hope in a way that the publicization of that feature does not attract the, those kind of dregs on the internet to it and kind of ruin it in a way. Because uh, you, you do, there's like the, you know, the Gamergate crowd and stuff like that. Yeah. That, you know, could very easily uh, ruin that. And, oh, absolutely. You know, I, and, I, I mean, ho- I'm sure there's going to be a few denizens trying to make a mockery of that particular aspect. Sure, sure. I mean, but games are all about artistic expression. If that's right. what, you know, the the creators want to do, then I think they should be commended for that. Uh, but it it gives players the uh, freedom to kind of express that and you know take the tools and kind of do, you know almost literally and just you know do what they will with it. And I think I think it's not only just going to be something that you can just do to another player that's online because they also have like actual NPCs in the game and a, a bit of a story in the actual MMO mm-hmm. uh, part of the game. Cause it, it's, it's a game that seems a lot like rust, but they've added some story elements to it. So I'm hoping that they'll add that. Cause there's one thing you can do in the game where you can take an NPC and enslave them and turn them into like uh, a, a worker for your base and have them protect you and protect your base. And I'm thinking maybe, you can use the um, castration to kind of break their will mm, as a story mm. aspect. You know what I mean? Okay, I mean yeah. At least, at least it has the potential to advance the the story and like your interaction with the world. Yeah, or like a coercion or a threat or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, that'd be interesting. Well, I mean, I hope you know, because it is in early access, as you said. Like, I hope it gets mm. far enough, and I, I think the ultimate would be. To to get that game on Clueless Gamer with Conan O'Brien, <laughs> get Conan on Conan, have have that brought up. I, I think there's there's possible potential there. That'd be pretty amazing. Well, that'll be something to keep our eye on, I suppose you could say. <laughs> well, Varshal, thank you so much for calling in. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm at Varshal on Twitter, and that's honestly about it. 
Great. Thanks so much for calling in. Great contributions. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And joining us from Illinois, Video Game Guru 64. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Nice to be back. Great. What's on your mind? The Nintendo Switch uh, ad, the extended ad on YouTube, at least, uh, I think sold me on 1-2-Switch. Okay. 1-2-Switch, you know, a, a lot of mini games, certainly. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I guess I haven't been sold yet on it. Maybe it would be fun at a party or something like that. I, I saw yeah. a, a kind of funny Let's Play where, you know, Greg Miller was at RTX Australia in Sydney and Hideo Kojima was like the guest of honor there. And so yeah. Greg Miller and Kojima, they had a, a panel. They did a two-hour-long interview. That was pretty interesting. Uh, but they did a Let's Play of 1-2-Switch with the whole the gun, quick-draw sort of mechanic. And like that's cool just for a fun, you know, quick little thing. But I, I don't even know if they've guaranteed, like, the, the $50 price point or whatever it may be. Like, that hasn't sold it yet for me. I mean, wh- what was the favorite well, part of the commercial well, for you? The wand, you were pointing at each other with, like a wand you rev it up uh above your head like a whip and then you uh point it as a wand and uh the things class against each other the mm-hmm. yeah, the spells yeah. yeah yeah and then uh the other thing was uh you can uh sword fight or something mm-hmm. like that i'm not completely sure they they had like a snippet of like them sword fighting but i'm not sure what it is so i think what would probably sell me is if they maybe did like maybe a nintendo direct or something like that but if they went in yeah. detailed like all of the mini games or at least most of them and yeah. kind of show I'm, like I, how it's played yeah i'm hoping for a nintendo direct next week because uh, it's yeah. only like three weeks away yeah i, I think that would, away. that would really help <laughs> three weeks away <laughs> there is still so much that we don't know about nintendo switch and i think you know that would be a really really important thing to have happen whether you want to detail more about the games whether it's you know snipper clips or, or one two switch uh you know why does the eating mini game seem so ridiculous especially in gift form when people are just nomming at the air uh, you know randomly uh, it's I think there, there's still a lot to, to figure out. Uh, but yeah, definitely you know, check out the extended Nintendo Switch commercial. Uh, I think that's that's an important one to watch, especially if you enjoyed the shorter one. Uh, we'll, we'll be seeing the 30-second spot all the time on TV, I bet, you know, in the coming weeks for sure uh, as the, the launch comes up. But yeah, it does sell a bit more of what Switch can do. And I think, if I recall correctly, just seeing it more like outside the home environment. And I think that's important for Nintendo to really push the the mobile aspect of it in a way, the portable aspect. Uh, you know, I was reading an article where it was basically saying that it was probably a mistake for Nintendo to really call this a console because for most people, like that's going to frame it in comparison to Xbox One and PlayStation 4, and they're not going to be able to keep up. But if you frame yeah. this as you know a portable that has the ability to act like a console, well, then you're talking about a, a powerful handheld for one. But, you know, it's like a 3DS successor. You're still keeping the 3DS for, you know, the younger markets kind of as a lead-in to games in a way. Uh, So I think that's an interesting perspective. But, yeah, I'm I'm still not sold yet on 1-2-Switch, though. Yeah. And then another thing I uh, started thinking about maybe in the past few days 
is uh, hacking versus uh, glitches. Hmm. Like in tournament settings, I should say just probably just for Pokemon, but maybe something else uh, could work for it too. But hacking is a big issue in the Pokemon scene right now. And the glitches, would you consider that a hack or would you consider it part of the game? So I get, what kind of glitches would you be referring to in the Pokemon competitive scene? Well, I've just been uh, given a six IV ditto and the person who gave it to me said it wasn't hacked, but it was glitched to make more dittos. That is, that's unusual. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of how that could possibly be done. I mean, certainly six IV Pokemon can it, it be done. A, it, yeah. it was done in the fifth generation. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that that's, that's certainly possible. It still takes a lot of work. I'm, I guess I'm a little removed from the the metagame of Pokemon to know whether or not Pokemon that are generated with like a, a Pokegen or something like that uh, in past gens, if when you move them to Gen 7 through the Pokebank, whatever, I, I wonder if that kind of breaks Nintendo's detection methods. Uh, that I'm not entirely sure of. I got it to the Pokebank. It seems to be fine. And another person that I was hanging out with his uh, ditto couldn't go into the Pokedrink because it was from another person that said it was hacked or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they're checking for in the Pokebank. It must be if it was gened because then uh, the glitch, which can duplicate Pokemon, I don't know if that would even matter too so i don't know yeah i mean if it's a glitch in game and if they're generally playing by in a way the rules of the game if you know exploits in a way i mean what missing no is kind of the whole same thing like yeah getting all the rare candies back in the day i mean a lot of people use it it was a you know kind of passed around sort of story a way of how to get missing no and duplicate your sixth item slot i think there's no problem with that uh you know that's kind of exploiting the game's rules but when you add that external element for hacking, like a Pokegen app, I think that has dangerous consequences. I'm not a fan of that. As someone, when I learned about how to you know, raise Pokemon with the breeding and the IVs and EVs and all that, just to say, oh, well, I can whip that up in a couple minutes, like that's, that kind of takes the work and earning it out of it. And so I'm, I'm not a fan of that. But if it's a glitch that exploits the rules of the game that are constructed that it's still all internally based, I think that's fine. And, you know, I think if Nintendo checks against that and it checks out, that's that's probably okay. I mean, I think what they're checking for is that, you know, whip it up in one minute and, you know, all done, no questions asked. Yeah. And I, I'm not a fan of Pokegen or hacks or mm-hmm. anything like that either. So Yeah, and so you went to that, that Pokemon tournament. How, how did that go? I got 12th in the masters and it was 15 people so not great but this was my first tournament you must have beaten someone so that's good yeah (laughs) well nice job nice job though uh the next tournament i might just do the card game because Mm -hmm. i did the video game this last tournament so i might just do the card game yeah and see how that works out better or not 
Yeah, mix it up. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to eventually check out kind of the metagame, see where it's at, especially with this coming uh, U.S. Nationals and whenever that comes up, the World Championships. Uh, always interesting to kind of see where the Pokemon video game metagame is going on. And I'm sure that'll yeah. that'll change, you know, once uh, hopefully we hear news about Pokemon Stars at E3. I think that would be big, especially, you know, for, for growing our Switch. <laughs> Uh, you know, hopefully, we get, you know, seeing that, that should help things a lot as well. Yeah. And hopefully next week or the week after, there's going to be a Nintendo Direct because there's only three weeks. Three yeah. weeks. We're less than four, almost three weeks. We got to hear something. Uh, you know, the, the tension is palpable at this point. Uh, you know, the, let the hype continue to build throughout February. And yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. I mean... You talk about on February third this past Friday. It's like, oh, it's it's a month away. Like, well, it's it's four weeks away. You got the shorter February, so it, it's going to be here before we know yeah. it. Uh, you know, enjoy the games to be played. You know, until then, because yeah, starting at the month, it's going to be Switch. It's going to be Mass Effect Andromeda by then. If you want to play Horizon the few days before Switch, you got that too. On uh, the yeah, Persona yeah. Five at the start of April, it's going to be busy once Nintendo Switch lands. So it's it'll be exciting. Yeah. All right, well, Video Game Guru 64 people can find you on Twitter at that handle. Really appreciate calling in. Uh, thanks so much. Yep. See you later. Yep, see ya. All right, thanks for calling in, guys. When we come back, we'll have a headline roundup. You don't want to miss it. When we come back here on The Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Sonic Adventure 2. You can find a new video game music top 10 playlist from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. Now it's time to get to a headline roundup. Big news in the game industry this week as Kotaku has kind of unveiled GameStop's circle of life methodology and this is something that's apparently been going on for years and it's really just only been given this kind of coverage but it's the idea for GameStop that there are four tenets of their kind of business practice there's pre-orders there's reward card or game informer subscriptions used game purchases and game trade-ins the idea is that 30% of their money coming in needs to be from the first three so pre-orders reward card subscriptions used game purchases and it's creating a lot of these stories of really scummy practices that used games are slightly lowered from standard retail price, but the new game is, you know, half price uh, on a sale. You know, just talks of certain employees saying, oh, well, we're out of the new game, even though they have plenty of stock, but hey, go for the used game. We have that in stock because that helps push their metrics there. Now, metrics are a part of retail, and if you've worked in you know, specifically video game retail. I mean, I worked at Toys R Us for a couple of years. Uh, you know, that's that's the case. And it's not infeasible that this has been around for a long time, certainly. But, you know, getting the coverage like this, it's because of the good work uh, of Kotaku and the kind of journalism that they are doing, uh, especially lately. Uh, so it's good to kind of get that out there. And hopefully it changes the culture a little bit. But it's part of a vicious cycle, really, uh, between the game industry and GameStop, and the game industry takes a big cut out of the games that they sell because they have to make the money, so that kind of short shifts uh, GameStop a little bit, but at the same time, GameStop makes so much money with the used market, and that doesn't go to the game industry. Now, now both need each other, 
especially when physical game sales are still a thing. Uh, but they're kind of screwing each other in a way, and it's it's a really odd dichotomy with the way GameStop operates. When you think about it, and this 30% circle of life thing, I mean, I you know, normally operate with GameStop that I go in and buy a new game, or maybe I'll take advantage of like just you know do some used browsing. But for people who go in and say let's they're gonna buy a PlayStation 4 Pro, that's you know for $400. And they don't have a reward card, or they already have one, but it's not a new subscription. They're not going to pre-order anything. They're not going to buy any used games. That's, you know, 30% of that $400 has to be made up with those other things. Like, that's that's a really dangerous precedent. They, hopefully, it kind of gives GameStop a sense that maybe they have to redo their metrics. Also in the headlines, a jury has ordered that Oculus, or in a sense Facebook, has to pay $500 million to ZeniMax as a result of a long, long legal battle. Uh, Polygon has been detailing this. If you want to learn more about it, you know, check it out. Uh, it's an interesting case of, you know, Oculus has had kind of this entry into the VR space, especially tied with another company like ZeniMax, uh, you know, the talent coming over from ZeniMax and you know, John Carmack's involved, Palmer Lucky is involved. Just odd sort of dealings there. And for a jury to vote in that favor in a way for the $500 million payout, it was going to possibly be up to $2 billion. Oculus is costing Facebook a lot of money and one wonders that you know when you have PlayStation View and you have HTC Vive and you have Oculus Rift uh, in a VR market that's not totally taking off does one of them possibly fall away in 2017 that'll be something to keep an eye on now as we mentioned earlier in the show Nintendo Switch is less than four weeks away from launch and we don't know anything about the online infrastructure or the virtual console plans so yes hopefully the Nintendo Direct should be coming soon but Nintendo President Tatsumi Kimishima told Nikkei that online services will cost two to three thousand yen annually. That's about seventeen dollars sixty cents to twenty-six dollars forty cents, based on the exchange rates of the article at the time. Uh, that's a pretty good price for an annual uh, service, especially when compared to the sixty dollars for PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, and they say it's to have the server upkeep, to have you know better services for things like downloadable content. I think it's more favorable, and you're even seeing some of the memes where, oh, at first it paid service, but you're walking out the door. Oh, that price, you got me walking back in. It'll be interesting to see, especially when they talk about the virtual console service and the whole idea with the one game that you only have for that month, you gotta gotta knock down the price. And so if it's around $20 a year, I'll take it. Like, that's pretty reasonable, I'd say. Tony Hawk is in early contention for the video game tweet of the year. As he quoted today, new executive order. Any negative reviews of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 are fake reviews. Ties into the recent tweets from Donald Trump saying that basically, oh, all the negative news, all the negative polls you see, oh, that's fake news. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it, therefore it must be fake. What what a great leader. So, Tony Hawk, well done. Kudos to you. Hopefully you have something else working in the pipes for a Tony Hawk Pro Skater franchise possibly rumors of maybe EA has taken up interest in a possible kind of merger with the Skate series. That'll be interesting to see if anything happens for E3. That would be exciting. But an early contender for the video game tweet of the year, I would say. And finally, sad news today from the world of YouTube. Uh, the last episode of Hot Pepper Gaming was released, and they talked about 
uh, Skyrim Remastered, an unusual choice for the last one. Uh, basically, all the creators are, are moving on to bigger and better things. And, you know, I guess three and a half years the project's been going on for it's a pretty good time in the YouTube space. At the same time, though, for it to stop like that, that's is sudden. And I think it's taken a lot of people by surprise. Uh, it's a, It was one of those ideas where the elevator pitch was just perfect. You talk up and review video games after eating a hot pepper. And, man, they were going to some pretty big extremes. I mean, there was this, this flashbang sort of sauce that they were reviewing. It's at 3.5 million Scoville units. It's more than the Carolina Reaper. It's saying, you know, no more than a drop. Uh, pretty crazy stuff. They're kind of pushing the limits there. But it's always kind of sad to see, you know, the ending or the conclusion of a, a kind of YouTube mainstay, especially in the video game space. And honestly, I mean, they're they're moving on to bigger and better things. You know, one of them's, you know, working as a video game writer. One of them's on the Game Grumps team now. I mean, they have they have big aspirations. And so... What was started as a side project for them, I, you know, wish them all the luck in the world. I, I hope, in a way, someone continues sort of the spirit of it because it is a great idea. But as someone who's worked on a project for years, I can understand, you know, there there comes a certain time where you have to to move on and try new things. So, Hot Pepper Gaming, that'll live on in the YouTube gaming history. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community. And in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you want a YouTube video to watch, I would say check out The Jimquisition by Jim Sterling. Uh, his episode today that just came out on the Circle of Life GameStop practice, he calls it Circle of Strife. But uh, Jim Sterling always does great work, uh, especially with Jimquisition and other stuff on his channel. But it really helps kind of break down the whole issue with the practice and uh, how dangerous and predatory it is on customers, but also the odd dynamic between GameStop and the game industry and how they kind of need each other, but they're trying to you know, take each other's money in a sense. It's a really interesting watch. I really recommend it, especially for the ending when he uh, makes a statement there on the legal battle that he's been fighting. Anyway, I will be in Chicago later this week for the auto show there, so maybe we'll get to record another show on the road. It depends what happens in the video game industry there. Stay tuned to our Discord channel as that develops, and also our Twitter. Uh, regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spacia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on. <laughs>